Odd Trails contains adult language and content. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. Enjoy the show. Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. Just trust. Believe. Cabin by Dana. This took place in British Columbia, Canada, about 15 years ago, in my early teens. My dad, his new wife, her daughter, and I went on a mini vacation to the island to stay in what was one of a group of old cabins. There were only two bedrooms, and my stepsister was pregnant at the time, so she got one of them, which left me with the pullout couch in the living room. One night, I woke up, not knowing what from, and I could feel and sort of visually make out somebody walking straight by me from the back door and into the kitchen. After having been woken up, I was annoyed more than anything, and I tried to go back to sleep. Shortly after my head hit the pillow, I was roused again, but this time, the cause was clear. The cupboards and drawers in the kitchen were being opened and closed, and quite forcefully. It wasn't all at once, but one at a time, so it was very clear which sound I was hearing. Irritated further, I decided it would be best for me to stay in bed rather than go into the kitchen and use my teenage attitude to confront who I assumed was my stepsister curbing a midnight pregnancy craving. So I waited it out and went back to sleep. One thing that didn't dawn on me until the following day was that while the cabin had a front door and a back door, the back door was never used as it was sort of out of the way at the back of the cabin, only having direct access to the living room, so nobody had any reason to have been in that part of the cabin. Confused by this, I took my dad aside and asked if he had heard the noises as well. He had assumed the same as I had, and tried to ignore it and go back to sleep, but wanting to get to the bottom of it, he asked his wife and stepdaughter, who confirmed that they did not leave their beds once during the night, except for a bathroom trip for the mom-to-be, which was right next to her room. I firmly believe the cabin was haunted, and I'm thankful that I did not walk into the kitchen that night to check it out. Fiery Foreshadowing by Anonymous I'll start by saying the property I used to live on, mostly rural, had an air of mystery about it. A touch of the ethereal, 
or something else. I'm not sure. As a child, it was my playground more than anything. But as an adult, that same quality brought with it a sense of primal fear. In hindsight, it was no surprise there were so many events throughout my life that make ghosts and cryptids so believable to me today. One morning before the sun had fully risen, the power went out, which included my trusty nightlight that hung over my head. My mom woke me up, as she knew if I woke up by myself in the dark, I'd be terribly afraid. Then she stood me beside the front screen door. The door itself was fairly old, but had a big enough window so I could see our front porch. As she was searching the house for a flashlight, my attention was keenly drawn to the porch. Or more precisely, what was on it. What I saw was a thin, all-black creature with glowing red eyes. Strangely enough, I wasn't afraid of it. It was lying there, seemingly in pain, and reached up to me as if it needed my help. Of course, being a child, I wanted to help it, and reached for the door handle. Just before I could touch it, my mom yelled from the next room over, Don't you dare touch that door. I turned briefly to look at her, and by the time I looked at the porch again, the creature was gone. Nowadays, I might have thought that this creature was simply a shadow person, or maybe even describe it as a demon, as they're commonly depicted as such. One friend suggested it could have been an unseely fae, or a dark fairy, as they allegedly try to abduct small children. In my research, this line of thinking also brought me to the possibility of a changeling, or some variety of a skinwalker, or even a red-eyed kid. Regardless, when I was a child, I really thought this thing needed my help, and that was my only concern before I got distracted. In all honesty, I know most of you are probably saying, be glad you didn't go out there. It was bad news. And you're probably right. But I still can't help but wonder what it was, and what would have happened if I had at least opened the door. Any insight is always greatly appreciated, as I'm not sure if its intentions were good or bad, for now I'll just say to the creature, let's not meet. My next story requires some background information about my father. My dad was, and as far as I know, still is, hugely into the occult. Specifically, he studied demonology and parapsychology but I believe he also had some interest in cryptids, otherworldly abilities, and folklore. In his past, he was allegedly involved in some manner of dark arts or dark witchcraft. This included knowing how to summon demons and conjure dark spirits, if his stories are to be believed. When he and my mother split, I was fairly young, not even a year old, if I remember right. According to a story he told me years after this event, when they divorced, he summoned something called a brimstone magician 
to watch over and protect me. Whether it's true or not, after he told me the story, it reminded me of the second event that cemented my connection to the paranormal. I wasn't much older than the event with the porch sighting, maybe a year at most. I was still under five years old. Without getting into too many details about the layout of the house, thank you, there was a doorway that allowed me to see from my bed to the opposite side of the home, where the bathroom was. This is where my memory gets fuzzy, as I can't remember if I saw my mother walk into the bathroom or leave. But immediately following, I saw a demonic version of her floating about a foot off the ground. Her hair was wild-looking, flowing in all directions, her face contorting in so many expressions of gnashing teeth and anger, and there was a sort of aura of fire outlining her. I was so terrified I shut my eyes and hid under the covers. Once I peeked out, my mother was already returning to our shared bedroom, and all was normal. I asked her about this event years later, and she knew nothing about it, neither seeing it or knowing I was so terrified in my bed. As with the other creature, I'm not sure what it was I saw. It could be a version of what my father allegedly summoned, but after things transpiring the last few years of my life, I have a different theory. Through therapy and the constant support of my wonderful wife, I learned my mother was a narcissist and had essentially indoctrinated me at a young age into a life of constant emotional and mental abuse. I am sensitive to emotional energy, somewhat of an empath, and occasionally have prophetic dreams or deja vu. I feel like it could have been a visual manifestation of these abilities a sort of warning from my subconscious about who my mother really is and the treatment I would receive from her over the course of my life. It's possible that none of these things are related, and it could just be the overactive imagination of my childhood, but the visions were so real and palpable, I have no way to know for sure. Maybe it was what my dad had supposedly summoned, trying to clue me into her behavior if he summoned anything at all. His stories have always been a little wild and not exactly truthful. I'm not in contact with either of my parents to ask for clarification or discuss the possibilities. Either way, I for sure saw something, and it's stuck with me ever since. I'll leave you with those two stories for now. There's always more to tell. So until next time, Thanks for giving us a space to share our experiences and theories. Voices in the Woods by L. Bolin. When the 2020 pandemic hit, my introverted husband and I thrived. 
everything kind of stopped and put our lives into perspective. We hated our jobs, despised our living situation, and found his relatives to be beyond toxic. After our daughter's high school graduation, we made a move. Our daughter relocated to live with friends near college, and without telling many people, we set out for the dense woods of northern Michigan. We camped in a tent and built our yurt. It was like heaven. The area we chose to settle in is home to the Great Lakes Dogman, also known as a bear with mange, resembling a movie-style werewolf. Of course, these woods are teeming with various wild beasts. One day, as I worked in the garden, I heard my husband calling out my name. I looked over at him, busy working on the house. The voice called again, but this time from behind me, nowhere near where he was. Again, he was engrossed in his work. Curious, I walked up and offered my assistance but he just smiled and declined. This strange calling continued while we worked, though he remained oblivious to it. Eventually, he found a job nearby with a 3 a.m. start time. As he left, I would watch him go and then go back to sleep. Strangely, I would hear him calling my name. By that time, our yurt was up and I would hide on the floor in my sleeping bag between our two elderly chocolate laps. My dog would sleep while my husband's dog would have her ears up, listening intently. Even as the months passed and the voice became less frequent, it still occurs to this day. Neither my husband nor my daughter ever hear it, but our nephew has experienced his name being called as well. Then, one winter night, My husband's dog went outside to go to the bathroom and got lost. Normally, they go out by our back door and return promptly. My dog returned, but his did not. It was getting dark, and despite my desperate calls, there was no sign of his dog. I ventured into the deep woods, calling and whistling, feeling watched. Finally, I heard her barking about two miles out. I found her in a hole that she had dug, shaking uncontrollably. I carried her home with all the strength that I had left. Sadly, she suffered a stroke, and that April she passed away. My dog too succumbed, seemingly to heartache. That night, I didn't hear a voice, but I felt an eerie presence. I wonder if she heard him calling her name and ran off to be with him. The guilt that I feel is still heavy. Shadows in the Hospital by Christina Back in August, I made a trek to an old, notoriously haunted hospital in Kentucky. It was originally created to treat tuberculosis patients before the advent of antibiotics. It was meant to feel like a home for the patients, a place of positivity, community, and sunlight. This was a bucket list location, and I couldn't wait to investigate. We kicked off the night with an exploration of the different floors. 
debriefed about activity claims, and then went to the rooftop to take a photo. So all of us slowly made our way to the fifth floor. The layout on the fifth floor is odd. The stairs open to a hallway that was a few rooms directly across from the stairwell. To the left and right are huge open rooms that potentially housed pediatric patients. Both of these rooms have empty window frames that opened the hallway near the stairwell. At a guess, it could have been a nurse's station or some form of check-in window. I don't recall the purpose. As I approached the fifth floor, I stepped into the hallway. In the empty window frame that adjoined the left room, I saw a black mass duck beneath the windowsill. It was round like a head, and for the most part, it was solid black. It reminded me of the stick figures in the pedestrian crossing signs you see, which I know sounds ridiculous. However, I noticed that the edges around it were translucent, almost as if it had an aura surrounding it. When it quickly disappeared, I did a double take. Did my eyes just trick me? Surely it was my eyes adjusting, or maybe it was how the light played into the room. The trouble was, although we were approaching evening, there wasn't anything that could have cast a shadow in the shape that I saw. My next step was, of course, to go into the next room where the shadow came from. Was it a team member pulling a prank on me? Or maybe setting up equipment? The answer to both is no. As perplexing as it was, I still settled on my eyes playing tricks on me. I pocketed away the instance for the time being. We still had prep work to be done before the proper investigation began. What I learned is that it wouldn't be the last or only time that night that a shadowy mass would try to get our attention. Fast forward to midnight. My group is sitting on the fifth floor, the same floor as my first brush with the shadow figure. It's quiet and we weren't getting much of anything in that area. Our solitude is quickly interrupted by another team coming up the stairs, startling the crap out of us. When asked what was wrong, they told us to come to the third floor and potentially corroborate the activity they had been experiencing. Their faces held equal parts excitement, curiosity, and a little bit of trepidation. How could we say no? So down we went. The third floor was a long hallway with rooms on both sides, like a hotel. The other team told us to look down the hallway and fix our eyes on the left side. It took a minute, but it wasn't long before my jaw dropped. Down the hallway was an undulating, black, shadowy mass. Its movement flowed like a lava lamp. Sometimes it would jut out into the center of the hallway, while other times it would only peek out from the doorway. It would manifest as a grasping hand, long legs, or some other nondescript shape. Whatever this thing was, it was trying to materialize in some form. 
It either didn't know how or didn't want to. I had never seen anything like it before, and haven't since. Two of my group members didn't see anything. Only one other person on my team did, and it wasn't from afar. Initially, she was unconvinced and walked down the hallway, only to be greeted by a round-headed shadow figure popping out of a door in front of her and then darting back in. Hell of a way to get our attention, I'd say. Shadow figures tend to hold an ominous reputation. They're often seen as negative beings to be avoided, but my experience at this hospital showed me that Maybe this isn't necessarily true. I never got any negative vibes from these shadow figures. While I was dumbfounded when they appeared, my gut still said, Oh, it's you. From whatever timeline or dimension these shadow figures came, whether they were ghosts or something else, I almost wondered if they were trying to reach the doorway across from theirs almost like a patient wanting to visit their neighbors, as they would have in life. It's impossible to say. But what I can say is that, for the years that I've done investigating, I've come to believe that sometimes, it's the other side simply wanting to say hi, and to be acknowledged. They want to remind people that they're still here, and for us to listen to their stories. Polly Poltergeist by Jess. I've had paranormal experiences my entire life, but today I want to talk about a ghost my family had named Polly. Normally, when someone shares a ghost story, the recounting usually occurs when the person is old enough to remember. However, in my case, this ghost has been with me since birth, according to my mom. She used to say that when I was a baby, she would come into my nursery and there would be a dark, shadowy figure standing by my crib. She explained that it looked almost like a grim reaper or even someone wearing a monk's robe and hood. As I moved into toddlerhood and we moved into a different state, the appearance of what we now call Polly or Polly Poltergeist as my mom dubbed her first happened. My dad recalls that I had been put down for a nap. He looked up, and I was standing in the doorway with a pillowcase over my head and my body, so all he could see were my tiny toddler feet, and hear my tiny little girl giggles. He always talks about how he told me to get back into my bed and take a nap, and proceeded to playfully chase me back to my room. However, when I rounded the corner into my room, he followed behind, and he saw me fast asleep in my crib. The kind of sleep where you know the kid isn't faking it. He says he remembers getting a cold chill and just walking out of my room, chalking it up to a ghost. That would have been creepy enough on its own, but from there we had many more experiences with Polly. 
a little girl with long, curly hair, the color of mine, would be seen running down the hall or around the corner, only to disappear when somebody looked. My baby brother's bottles would constantly disappear, only reappearing when my mother would say, Polly, I need those, please bring them back. In the beginning, it seemed Polly and I had similar traits, like our hair, our laughs, and so on. As I got older, Polly very much stayed the same little girl that you would sometimes see out of the corner of your eye. Polly followed my family through three different states and often my friends wouldn't believe me when I told them that our house was haunted until they stayed the night. While I was fast asleep, they could hear someone running up and down the stairs. My five-disc CD player would open and rotate all on its own, and they would hear rustling in my closet. I would wake up to my friends, crammed into my bed with me, and you can probably imagine that I didn't have very many sleepovers. I would simply shrug and say, That's just Polly. Polly never felt sinister or evil, but she was a major part of my childhood and my favorite nice ghost story to share when people ask if I've ever seen a ghost. I get to happily tell them about the little girl who could sometimes be seen out of the corner of your eye, who was confused with me on multiple occasions, and the one who scared friends away from staying the night. There were other more sinister experiences in my childhood home, the place where I have my own personal memories with Polly. The house itself is holding a much darker and heavier feeling, but I'll save those stories for another time. Christmas Time Visitor by Michelle. My grandmother Gloria passed away around Christmas time years ago. I live with my mother in a major Canadian city. On the weekends, we usually order takeout and watch crappy TV movies together. This weekend, just before Christmas, was like any other one. We ordered takeout and we were waiting for it to arrive before starting a movie. A short time after, there was a knock on the door. I was a bit surprised because we had just ordered the food, and there was no way it would have gotten to our house that quickly. I was occupied with something, so my mother answered the door. I could hear her talking to someone briefly, but couldn't make out what was said, and then I heard her close the door. I asked her who it was, and she said it was some random woman who asked if Gloria was there. We were both kind of weirded out, since we had been living in that house for a while, and my grandmother passed away some time ago. She never even lived with us. Nobody named Gloria has ever lived there, and that's not exactly a common name anymore. As I noted earlier, this happened around Christmas time, which is when she passed away, which I thought was even more strange. Still weirded out, I texted my cousin to let her know what happened. I didn't realize it at first, but my cousin reminded me that it was the exact day that our grandmother passed away. 
I like to think that was just her way of stopping by to say hello. Stop by any time, Mimi. I miss you. Changeling by Loki It all started when we moved to Alaska when I was six years old. We were staying with my grandma and grandpa in a small, southeastern town. We lived up on a hill with an incredible view, but steep roads. I enjoyed exploring the woods and behind the house. I found a stairway leading down. It didn't go anywhere, and I didn't really think about it being a full-on child. I played all day on and around these stairs. Yes, it was the 80s when you could go out into the woods on an island with a lot of bears and nobody would worry about you. After this, I started to change. I had been a very active, happy child and suddenly I wasn't happy and I was physically slow. I was awkward in my body and I gained a bit of weight. I started living in my head in a way I never had before spinning elaborate stories about fairies and a great dark being called the griffin. I became a very difficult child to my mom, and I fought constantly with my sisters. Sure, this is all the stuff that happens in childhood when something like a big upheaval happens, but as much as my internal world went weird, my external one did too. I started seeing this figure of a lady on a mountain. I got hit by a bus that looked like a killer well. I regularly saw something I think may have been a UFO. This was my life. Well, it is my life. I got older, we moved and moved again. I was diagnosed with an alphabet soup's worth of brain things, none of which involve hallucinations. Weird crimes and coincidences followed me. I have the best bad luck. Terrible things happen and then work out as well as possible. In middle school, we moved down the road from this metaphysical shop and I very quickly became a teenage witch. I grew up. I grew older. I saw ghosts and shadow people, found it impossible to get lost, performed magic, had crimes committed against me, did really stupid stuff, and didn't recognize the consequences. And all of this was just my normal life. A twist different than most, but it's what I'm accustomed to. So instead of telling you a story, let me tell you who I am now. I'm six feet tall, and my hair is pure silver, naturally. I'm quite a large woman as well. My husband and I moved to our current house just before the pandemic. Coincidentally, good luck because our old place was far too small to quarantine in. The stray cats here do not attack the birds. I have a shadow that just kind of chills. He doesn't come into the bedroom, just goes up and down the hall. Nighttime is weird at our house. The dog will growl into the night, in the backyard, and so much stuff back there has been moved or messed with, but we just shrug it off and say, backyard goblins. I hear noises coming from the back occasionally. 
I'm somewhat of a country mouse with pretty good Google foo, so I promise you I'm not just mistaking an owl's cry or a fox vixen's scream for something spooky. I keep exotic animals, mostly tarantulas and really cool plants. No kids, but I am an excellent aunt. I had the best night a while back. It was one of those nights where the wind was blowing clouds through the sky and the trees were thrashing. I was sitting on my patio processing a phone call that I just had and enjoying the ambiance. Then I saw a flash of blue lights in the treetops. Then another. Then another. It was a good month and change earlier than we'd normal see the first sighting of lightning bugs, and there wasn't anything back there that could be shining these lights into the canopy. It didn't have the cadence of fireflies either. They didn't do that flashing thing, and no females were on the ground flashing back, and the color was wrong. I watched this for a while, when I heard something. I thought it was coyotes at first, or a dog howling. But it was more of a hooting. It almost sounded like a morning dove with a frog in its throat, but the song was wrong. And it was ten at night. Why not fairies? On the other hand, I'm perfectly normal. I have a steady job, great relationships, very good friends. I medicate the alphabet soup brain and lean into the weird. Still, I wonder sometimes who I would be if I hadn't gone playing on those stairs in the woods. I'll be honest, I expected a completely different kind of story from a title like Changeling. The Changeling is actually one of my all-time favorite horror movies. I'm assuming that's what you're referring to. Yeah, it's it's pretty hard to find people who have seen that one. Mm -hmm. It scares me every time I watch it, even today. Yeah, I don't want to give away anything to those who haven't seen it yet, but there's a particular flashback type of scene that I genuinely find unsettling. And I'm typically pretty not unnerved by things that are trying to be scary. If that makes sense. Yeah. You're just expecting a creepy ghost story. Then you get hit with a backstory midway and it gets pretty heavy. Yeah. I've always really liked haunted house movies, but they're just so hard to get right. They either come off as cheesy and like wacky Or they're genuinely scary, but then there's that balance in between where it's both cheesy and and scary. Yeah, it's just fun, but they can't all be House on Haunted Hill. I think listeners of the show might like that one because of the Odd Trails Easter egg, if you will. That was exactly the movie I was thinking about when I said cheesy and scary, because there are parts of that that are genuinely scary, like good jump scares. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, you'll definitely find an Easter egg. I forgot about that one. Honestly... I could watch House on Haunted Hill every night of my life and be perfectly happy. (laughs) But uh, anyways, I wanted to save that story for last because it was such an odd, different kind of story. Mm -hmm. Not something that we usually hear on the podcast. And I love hearing about unique and, I guess, gifted people. Yeah, scary is always nice. But you're right, it's cool to get a little background about some of the more 
eccentric types who listen to the show. I really want to go back to Alaska now after hearing that one. My friend who we've gamed with a few times playing golf, he actually has some good stories out there and he lives pretty deep in the woods. It'd be pretty fun to go. Yeah, add that to our list of trips that we will probably never do. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. So after your story and Dana's story, I'm pretty much done with cabins. (laughs) I knew it from the first time when I watched Evil Dead at 10 years old that all cabins are basically bad news. So you can keep your woods and all their secrets. It's just not my thing. It never will be. (laughs) You know, funny enough, the only thing that has ever actually scared me about being in the woods is the thought of some transient killer trying to come into my cabin or tent when I'm sleeping. Even bears or mountain lions don't even really cross my mind that much, Mm -hmm. probably because I know my fate is already decided if that were to happen. But Mm -hmm. yeah, things like the white walkers from game of thrones not worried about them yeah i'm happy you finally decided to start watching that you know it's because i knew i would fall in love with it and burn away so many hours of my limited free time but yeah i'm a sucker for anything involving fantasy or medieval themes so here we are the books will probably be next Yeah, I totally get what you're saying. I actually waited a long time before I started watching it. It was right before the last season was about to air. Everybody was making such a big deal about it. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to watch it all, binge it all and catch up and watch the last season with everybody. I'm not going to give away any spoilers. I'm not going to say anything about it, but I I do the same kind of thing you do. I've never seen Breaking Bad. There's I haven't watched The Sopranos. There's plenty of things that I'll go back to, you know, maybe 10 years down the road and I'll enjoy. But I had a hard time finding anything to scratch that medieval itch that you're talking about that I got from Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. I've tried Witcher on Netflix and it was pretty campy, not really my speed. It kind of felt more like Hercules and Xena from the 90s. (laughs) Not really knocking those shows. They just weren't ever my thing. I'm not a big fan of forced camp. Yeah, no, I get it. I loved the Witcher 3 game though. Yeah. Of course, I got burnt out and questioned the amount of time I was putting into it, but the Assassin's Creed games have some pretty cool medieval periods. Yeah, I love Assassin's Creed, but my favorite is actually uh, part three. Mm. Well, I love you too. (laughs) You better. Well, anyway, moving on to some of the stories I narrated, I couldn't help but notice some parallels between Christina's story and the one the anonymous listener sent in. Yeah, the ever-so-common shadowy figure. (laughs) That sounds disparaging, but I know you didn't mean it that way. I was obviously thinking the same thing. Yeah, that's just how a lot of these things manifest, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, seriously, I do like how both of them felt more curious and a little bit even empathetic towards what they encountered. Mm -hmm. A red-eyed shadowy figure isn't something I would open a door to, (laughs) even when I was a mostly innocent child. Yeah, no way. The author speculated a lot of different things that it could have been, but I don't think it was something positive personally. Definitely not. So many entities are capable of masquerading as something good to gain our trust. We see that a lot. So I don't see how this dark figure with red eyes could have been anything other than something malevolent. Yeah. Maybe it could have been some lost soul literally reaching out for help. I'm not sure, but probably not. I don't know. I'm just glad it didn't ask for me. Same. So did Christina say which hospital her experience took place in? I don't remember. 
Oh, that's right. She didn't mention it by name in the story, but her email said that it happened at, imagine a drumroll here, the Waverly Hills Sanatorium in Louisville. Ah. You could have probably guessed that. Yep, a haunted hospital in Kentucky. That would make sense. Just the name sanatorium in any context sounds so creepy. I don't know what it is. It's just one of those words. Metallica knows that, <laughs> though they prefer sanitarium. Potato, potato, operandi, operandi. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Useless but relevant fact. That song was in the true crime documentary Paradise Lost, oh, yeah. and it was the first time Metallica allowed their music to be used in a movie. Yep, I love that one. Man, I was so sure those kids committed those murders. Yeah. That was just a wild case. I miss the old school 60 minutes type of reporting that you would see in things like that. Yes, that was the best. I would stay up late and watch 60 minutes with my parents also because I could obviously stay up late on a school night, but I loved it. I think that's what got me into true crime and all that fun stuff. Paradise Lost, man, it has the satanic panic of the 80s and 90s. And just how messed up our justice system is. Yeah. Especially with kids. And since we're name dropping so many recommendations, I have to bring up Kids for Cash, that documentary. Man, oh man. Yeah, that one made me so mad. I'm actually watching one right now that I just want to quickly recommend to anybody listening and you if you've got Max. It's the case of Natalia Grace. Do you remember that? Very vaguely. Yeah, it's basically the premise of the movie The Orphan. Oh, wow. Okay, now I got to see that. Yeah, I love The Orphan. It's like the real life story of that, but I, I can't say anything about it because I don't want to ruin it. It has that cool 60 minutes vibe to it. It's very good. Speaking of emotional roller coasters, Dear Zachary, did you ever watch that one? I think about it often. Yeah, no, that made me ball like a baby. In fact, I'm going to say I don't recommend that one because it will do a number to your <laughs> yeah. mental health. At least it did for me. Yeah. But yeah, you want to wrap up the episode on a bunch of sad notes? Absolutely. Okay. Thanks everybody so much for listening. Make sure you send your stories into stories at oddtrails.com if you want to hear them on the show. All of the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of their respective authors. If you want to get ad-free versions of all of our episodes at a higher bit rate for the best listening experience, head over to patreon.com forward slash oddtrails to sign up and support the show today. And finally, make sure you check out the new episodes of my other podcasts like Let's Not Meet, a true horror podcast, and the old-time radio cast at Cryptic County Podcasts. We'll see you guys next week. Everybody stay safe. Peace out.